Welcome to episode 20 of the Relationship Marketing Podcast with Cody B. Today's guest is Bernadette McClelland from Melbourne, Australia. Bernadette coaches sales enabling to Harvard MBA graduates and has been a master coach for Tony Robbins for 12 countries in the Asia-Pacific area. Listen in and find out what she means when she says, dollars and the heart are both important. And now, Cody B. Hello, everybody. This is Cody Bateman. Welcome to our Relationship Marketing Podcast show. Very, very excited for the guests that we have on for you today. And I uh, just want to reach out to all of you who have been listening in. Uh, the viewership keeps growing. Lots of people are starting to listen in to the podcast from all over the world. In fact, today's guest is coming all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. And our guest today is from Melbourne, Australia. We're really excited to have her on the show today. Uh, in fact, I'm going to introduce her real quick, and then I'm going to go into some of the bio stuff for her because I think you, you kind of need to hear where she's been and what she's been doing out there. So without further ado, Bernadette McClellan from Melbourne, Australia. How are you today? I'm really good, Cody. How are you? You're, I'm wonderful. Love that uh, Australian accent. Makes me miss Australia. It's one of my favorite places in the world to go to. In fact, Melbourne is one of my favorite cities in all the world. And uh, <clears throat> where do you live like right downtown or where do you live? So I'm probably, yeah, 25 minutes out of the CBD, but I'm right on the cusp of the city and the country. So out my window, I've got cows and, uh, and vineyards and all the rest of it. So perfect, perfect spot. Well, we love Melbourne because it's kind of like a melting pot. There's people from all over the world that live there, and it's just a lot of fun to go and visit. visit it is a great place. city. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to explain to our guests a little bit about you. And uh, so so let, just allow me, if you will, those of you who are listening in on a YouTube um, we're going to actually show you some things on the screen so you'll be able to see it. Bernadette has a new book that uh, just came out recently. She's going to show the cover of that book to us today and, and a couple other things. But let me tell you a little bit about uh, Bernadette. Uh, she's coached Harvard MBA students on their sales enabling cur curriculum. She's been the master Asia-Pacific coach for Anthony Robbins across 12 countries. She's authored five books on leadership and sales transformation including her latest book, The Art of Commercial Conversations. I'm real excited about that title, by the way, and can't wait to get into that. Uh, the Art of Commercial Conversations, Drive Revenue, Increase Margin, and Sell a Difference. So the subheading's clever, the headline's clever, and we're excited to take a look at that book and explore it a little bit with you today. Uh, Bernadette has won a coveted Australian Tel Tel excuse me, Telstra Award for Business Excellence and continually shares her ideas around behavior, the brain, and business growth on stages in the UK, Europe, Thailand, India, New Zealand, Australia, and North America. In fact, I think you're coming to North America here in April, where you'll be speaking at the Outbound Conference, Atlanta, Georgia. Is that right? Absolutely. Cannot wait. Well, we're excited to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's, let's jump in. This show is about relationship marketing. And uh, as most people know, I've got the book, Power of Human Connection, How Relationship Marketing is Transforming the Way People Succeed. We have featured stories in here from people all over the world. And I know that uh, as I look at some of your content, 
you you talk a lot about relationships. You're I call you one of those smart people. Like you're you're one of those smart people. <laughs> like you you write uh, smart people books, the art of commercial conversations. I love the depth that the that you get into when it comes to discussing the sales process. People that are listening to this show are really into what is today's sales process and how is today's sales process different than perhaps the sales process of 10 years ago. Um, relationships obviously are a big part of that. So what, what I'd like to do is just jump right in. T tell us a little bit about this book, The Art of Commercial Conversations. For our YouTube listeners, if you could just show that to us so we can see the beautiful uh, um, yeah. jacket design there. Yeah, there you absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So we've got the dollar sign and the heart because both are important. Okay, well, there's a great way to start. So the, the name is <laughs> The Art of Commercial Conversation with a dollar sign and a heart sign. You say most, both of those are crucial. So tell us what you mean by that. You know, it's, um, you know, we talk about, we talk about sales having changed over the years. And, and if you, you know, you really, really go back to, gosh, I don't know, the, the agrarian economy or even before then, we're bartering, you know, it was a giving thing. It was a reciprocity based thing where you would swap one good for another. Um, so it really was a value of exchange. And, you know, we, we come full circle now and we're where we are today and, and nothing much has changed. Like at the heart of selling, you still have got to exchange value. So your goods for a dollar or your goods for another, you know, piece of goods or what have you. And if you break down or if you do some um, understand that the actual word sell comes from the old English word selling. Mm. And that actually means to give. So, you know, my, um, my take um, on the whole philosophy around selling is that we have to stand firm in our um, unwavering belief, I guess, in the value of what we're providing to somebody and not be frightened to actually ask for a fair exchange for that value. Okay, so, so that's, that's interesting. So you're saying there's been an evolution that's come full circle. The, the early days of commerce was about trade, where it was about relationship. It's like, you know, you'd meet people. You, it, totally. And, and back in those days, you did business with those that you know, like, and trust. And so and a lot of it was trade. It wasn't money. It was trading a uh, product for a product or whatever. Mm, mm. And then we evolved more into traditional commerce, if you will. I don't know the right way to say it. Uh, currency came into the equation. We began to use currency to trade goods. Um, and there's a long timeline of that. So uh, uh, talk to us about, I'm really interested that you say there's an evolution. We've gone from relationships as the key to in the middle, there was a kind of a commerce mm. thing. And, mm. then, and now we're back to relationships. So talk to us about the middle right now. Um, so I guess, yeah, yeah, good point. So, um, you know, we've gone from, um, the, you know, the, the farmers, the agrarian economy, um, and then, you know, somebody that was as a result of somebody uh, discovering the, the plough. And so, you know, farming industry was born. You know, hundreds of years later, somebody um, thought about the steam engine or the printing press. 
And so then we come, and this is the beginning of that whole industrial economy, industrial revolution. And so as a result of that, we've all of a sudden got um, hierarchy and we've got mass production of goods and we've got these goods have got to get out and be sold. So, you know, the bring these people on to go out and sell um, and let's, you know, reward them for the sale. So we've got this whole um, yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir um, kind of culture that we're working in and, the, you know, the, the rise of the factories and, and, you know, by the way, you know, we'll pull these people off the farm and we'll give them a pay packet and we'll say to them, you know, bring your kids along too and we'll build a building next door and we'll call it a school, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we've got this whole um, hierarchical, if you like, boss, um, boss worker kind of like environment um, and then, you know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, somebody, a guy called Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web. And now we have a different kind of commercial environment happening. But with that comes a high level of personal connection as well. And, I mean, we're sitting here talking today and, and the, the wonderful Bart and Laura, um, you know, they've introduced me to you. So this is a direct result of you know, the connection economy that we're in from a technological perspective. But then there's another part of this as well, and that's the connection economy from a person-to-person perspective. So we've got to be really mindful that, and in bringing sales into this as well, we've got to be really mindful that we don't just rely on technology to connect with people, that we actually still have that whole human element. Okay, so I want to talk about that, the whole technology. So you talk about pre, pre-industrial revolution, then we have the industrial revolution where things began to be mass-produced, uh, thus there was a, a growth of the sales, um, the sales profession, if you will. Lots of people went out and sold products, and you know it became about the pitch, it became about the presentation, about the clothes, you know, get out there and quotas, you know, go hit your quotas because we're going to mass produce pro- uh, this product. You need to go sell the product, big presentation to sell the product, and that went on for years and years and years, hundreds of years, and then we get into what we call the uh, what I guess we'd call it the information age. Of course, information, yeah. the tail end of that is, of course, the advent of the internet and now all the internet stuff, which we continue to have a uh, transactional cell, if you will, versus a relationship cell. In fact, you just mentioned that even today, so today I can build a website I can create a funnel system. That's a big catch word now is funnels, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) go build a funnel and the funnel is going to go find all these magical leads of people and it's going to pull it into your funnel and you're going to go through the funnel. It's going to end up on your website and they're magically going to purchase, send and put in their credit card and send you money. And then you wake up. And then you wake (laughs) up. That's right. That's right. But, but I do want to speak to that because a lot of people believe, because when we talk about relationship marketing, I get that a lot. It's like, what are you talking about? I could just go build a website. I don't need that. I don't need to know anybody. I don't need to know nothing. You know, I'm just going to build a website, get some leads coming in the whole bit, and I'm going to make millions of dollars. Is that a myth? Is there some reality to it? And where is that? Where, where is the balance? Because we're claiming, you and I both, I think, are claiming, that 
we're in an age now where relationships are critical to the cell. So the heart, as you say, is critical to the dollar sign. Correct. There's internet, there's internet marketers out there that say that's hogwash. So talk, talk to us about that. Uh, look, I've, <laughs> um, I've got, you know, my thoughts on a, a couple of those kind of angles. Um, just get rid of that. Um, Yes, inbound is definitely, definitely works. Like, I mean, if you've got your whole, um, I have an inbound strategy as well. And so, you know, that, that works, but it's, it's actually working because there's, there's a person behind it as well. Um, this whole, you know, go live a life with your laptop on a beach somewhere and, you know, build that funnel. Uh, I don't know anyone who's done that successfully. The only ones I seem to know who, are making money of that about that are selling to people are selling that to people, selling, selling that dream selling so, the dream yeah. selling the dream yeah so that's you know and i i have never really delved into that side of things so I, i'm not really able to kind of give you my opinion apart from what i've just said what i do believe in is that inbound works when the company or when the personality behind it is actually providing value Okay. And that value, that that whole value has got to be seen to direct somebody to a funnel. But it's got to be real value. That's that's where, you know, from my perspective, um, and that value comes back to how you interact or how you engage with people on social or outside of social. So, for me, this whole relationship marketing absolutely works and the relationship and i love the fact in your book where you say everybody hangs their hat on marketing first right when the relationship has got to precede the marketing but and sometimes they can go together hand in hand yeah absolutely so yeah this is good this is really good stuff um so the whole internet marketers you know internet it's interesting because i know a lot of internet marketers and it's interesting how strong of relationships they do have with people and mm -hmm. I, lo I love what you said is that you know when they're out there providing value um on social media whatever uh, uh, lots of value those who succeed at those funnel inbound type of stuff provide lots of free value that in and itself is a mechanism, if you will, for creating relationship. You're providing value totally. to other beings. So you totally. are creating relationships. Now, you may not know the people, but you're creating relationships, leveraging technology to, re to, to reach people. You're creating relationships by giving to them. And that's a key word is give. You know, you've got to mm -hmm. give something to somebody to create relationships. They're doing that. And then on top of it, like I say, I know a lot of these internet marketers, once they do get to know key people that are buying from them, boy, there is a lot of activity that goes on with creating relationship with existing customers that even goes offline. So, Correct. And, and that's the part that the whole world out there, they don't, they don't seem to see that part of it. They just, they just read the, they read I the agree. Headline. Right. Oh, I totally agree. Totally. Very interesting. Okay. So fun stuff. This is fun. All right. So, um, I, I, I've got a note here that it says you, I may take this out of context. I don't know, but let's just talk about it. So it's, it sounds like you spear, you're spearheading women who sell, elevating women in cells across Asia Pacific. That was in your notes. 
here. So I want to talk about that. Is your main audience women or? No. Okay. So, no. But you do have a no. focus. Yeah, you do have uh, a focus. Yeah. So um, within, and this is specifically within um, corporate environments. So my background is 20 years in um, male-dominated, very alpha male environment in the sales field in, in technology. And, and so from that perspective, my audience... Um, working with sales teams and businesses are predominantly male. So uh, my my database, my my demographic, my audience, whatever you, however you want to package that up, is predominantly male. Okay. I am not one of these women who jumps on a soapbox. <laughs> um, and 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 today is International Women's Day, and so it's very important to recognise. Well, for me, it's very important to recognise women in those corporate sales environments that don't have um, that don't have a female figure within their work environment, so that they can have a an outlet, they can have resources, they can have a community of women, and that comes from me and my background where I had nobody in the corporate space uh, in that whole alpha male. So I'm not. Now, I'm not one of these women who knocks the guys. I'm not into all of that at all. Um, in fact, you know, I think there's so much fun to be had if, you know, people can just be themselves and be okay with being themselves. Um, so that's kind of like a, a sideline, if you like. So that is something that I provide here in Melbourne um, to help some of the women in my community here. I love it, love it, love it. And I love your approach. My wife, Jody, and I talk about that all the time, how, you know, the best way to empower, she, obviously she's a woman and, and she has a philosophy that the best way to empower women is to not associate yourself as any different than anybody else. You know, yeah, I'm a woman or, or she's a woman and I'm a man and we're out there in the world making a living and trying to make a difference. Absolutely. We're all in it together. And so the separation of gender, she's not a real big fan of. It doesn't appear you are either, which is good. I like that. I really like yeah. that. Now, I have, to yeah. tell, I have to tell the audience my wife feels that way because if I, if I say that, there's like, whoa, <laughs> did you hear him? <laughs> so a guy can't say that, but a, but a woman can. So Yeah, interesting. absolutely. Well, you, you mentioned being in a male-dominant world. You reached the pinnacle of, your cor pinnacle of corporate sales success within three Fortune 500 companies. So I'm assuming that that's the male-dominant world you were referring to. Totally, and, yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that, about your experience with these Fortune 500 companies, and you reached the top of three separate ones. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, um, so it was um, it was probably predominantly one of them that um, that I was was there for twenty years. Came and came and went a couple of times. I was like the you know the the uh, the daughter that left home and kept coming back home because it was kind of like a family environment. And um, and and the company was Xerox, so I don't mind having, I don't mind saying sure. that. Um, so I I was uh, I started there as. Um, an order entry clerk. So this was pre. This was kind of like pre computers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and then kind of moved into the credit department, moved into secretarial, um, moved into sales coordinator, and um, and it was in that role 
where I was um, doing the guys' orders and I was doing the guys' commissions. And this is in the, uh, the early 80s, mid, early to mid-80s. And I remember looking at the commission sheets and then looking at the guy who was making all of that money and thinking, my God, if he can make that, then so can I. Right. And, um, and so they had a, um, a campaign on at that particular point in time where they were looking for um, trainees to come in from outside. And so I, um, I applied. I applied for the trainee role and um, they knocked me back three times. And the reason was because I didn't have what it took to be in sales and that I was too nice and I wasn't aggressive enough. So um, I marched down to the regional manager's office and I, I showed him how aggressive I could be. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I got the job. So um, I started off as a sales trainee and that was over a period of, um, yeah, 10 years. And, and I left and I was one of the senior um, senior specialists in the company, um, award-winning, um, you know, represented Australia for um, the whole analog to digital transition when Xerox went through that. Um, 150 salespeople went through it. Um, 20% didn't make it through, and and I, I topped the class. So um, yeah, that was my uh, that was my experience there. And so as a result of that, um, and in that time, I kind of went to a couple of other places, but kept coming back. Um, I actually left and uh, decided to start my own business. And that business was um, 20 years ago. Um, I stepped out of corporate and started my own business, um, doing what I'm doing now. However, limiting beliefs got in the way and, uh, and I walked away from it. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a whole story about the whole circle comeback. So it was about five years ago I came back into it. Interesting. Okay, now I want to go through that the evolution of your career because I know that you had you had a peak in corporate sales, uh, and then with the with the bust of two thousand eight, you had some challenges, mm. and then you came back to the professional layer. I want to get to that in just a second, but I want to go back to when you're in corporate sales working for Xerox. I own a company called Send Out Cards. We are the premier relationship marketing system in the world today. We help people uh, follow up with their clients and customers with real greeting cards and gifts. For years, since 2004, since 2004, 2005, we have actually been featured um, as a case study at all the big uh, printing it, you know, the, the printing conference ah, where Xerox, okay, yeah. you yeah, go to yeah, the Xerox yeah. booth of course. and the Xerox booth at the, these big conferences would actually you tell the send out card story as a case study of how to sell digital printing. Yeah. Because back in 2004 or five, people, people are trying to figure out how digital printing is super cool, but how do you sell it? Because People in printing were used to buy, you know, in, in uh, analog printing or offset printing, the more you, the, the more you print, the less it costs. So it's, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what everybody knew. So now Xerox and others come out with this new digital printing. Well, it costs the same amount of money to print one item as it does 55 items. So how do you sell that? So when you say evolution from analog into digital, I get yeah. what you're saying. I mean, that yeah. was... Totally, totally. Yeah. And that, that was the, well, they were there, that was the equipment I was selling. So that was my whole, you know, application based 
and send out cards. It's a perfect application for one-on-one personalization, um, print on demand. Perfect. So yeah. Yeah. So well we, we run on uh, iGens. We, we have the iGens, the latest iGen 250 is what we run on now. Uh, been doing that for years and years and Xerox cracks me up because Xerox, <laughs> they have all these crazy deals that they come out with all the time and a way for us to upgrade into the latest thing. And if you do it by this date, everything is all orchestrated. So it's, it's yeah. And, um, and, and this is, this is relative to what we're talking about. We talk about, you know, that, that whole industrial age where it was go out and get a deal, get a deal, get a deal. And, and there was, um, you're talking about dangling all the different carrots right. in front of the buyer. So it was um, end of the financial year and I'd been working on one of the, my clients for, um, for about a year and, um, and we dangled a few carrots and then it was end of financial year and my, my managers called me in and said, Bernadette, it's about time that you close the deal. And, um, and I've gone, aha. Uh-huh. And so I've driven out to the clients and I've sat there with the director and the print room manager and um, I had the contract in my hand and, uh, and I said to her, we chit-chatted and I said, look, you guys, I said, um, I think you know why I'm here. It's the last day of the year um, and I've got this contract in my hand. And I said, however, I'm not going to ask you to sign it. And the director leaned back in his chair and he said, I am so glad that you said that, Bernadette. And he leaned forward and he said, had you have asked us one more time, you would never have got in this print room. Wow. And I've gone back, you know, and I I kind of just, whatever I said. But the reason was, is that I knew, and this is where intuition comes in, you know, this is where tapping into all of, you know, our resources that we've got internally Um, My gut feel was I knew those guys long enough over that period of a year. I knew them long enough to know that they were conservative buyers, that they, they mocked the carrots and the incentives and that when they were ready to buy, they would buy. Yeah. And so I kind of listened to that. So that's kind of tying into what you're saying as well, um, you know, about the uh, imaginative ways of, of getting business. So I think in, in my book, urgency is very important. So I'm not negating that. Yeah. However, there are times when our managers or, or people may be forced to go down a closing track in a sale and it just doesn't feel right. And we've got to listen to that intuition, I think. So it's interesting word you use, intuition. So how does intuition fit into the sales process today? Um, I mean, I think you just, I think you just kind of said yeah. it. You know, the, the example yeah. you gave of I'm not going to ask you for the order today. That yeah. was the, it was an intuitive, it was and a very, really good question that you've just asked, Cody, because my mind's just going now because I'm thinking, okay, at, at what point do you listen to your intuition and know at a gut level that that is the right thing or the right path to go down? Or how do you know if it's fear? Right. Good. I'm, that, I'm now that's a good out, question. That's a good now, question. But <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking yeah. out loud here. So um, once again, I think, you know, we talk about relationship marketing. We talk about relationships. In my book, one of the best relationships or the most important relationships you can have is with yourself. 
Right. And so this whole getting to know yourself and being able to differentiate and be honest with yourself, like hand on heart moments is that, okay, I'm going to pick the phone up now. So something's telling me not to. Is that my intuition or is that just the fact that I'm too scared to pick up the phone? <laughs> right. So, right. You know, <laughs> so it's really important. That's a really, great, um, that's a really great discussion point, actually, is that. So I'm going to give that some thought. But, um, yeah, I think, I think um, you know, being honest with yourself yeah, is, absolutely. Is, is key. Okay, so you, you had some real success, and then um, you went through a challenging time of your life. 2008 seems to be a challenging year for a lot of people. I've had a lot of guests on the show that, you know, we tanked. I, I hear that all the time. We tanked in 2008 because of economy or whatever. So you, you've gone through that gamut. You've gone through the gamut of, of peak sales and success, and then you hit the tanks and hit the skids reinvented yourself, came back, did your career again. What did you learn through that? What did you learn through the process of gaining it all, then losing it all, and then gaining it again? Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, we did. We, we lost our business. Our family, my husband and I had a um, family business. We had staff. It was a good, solid business, and I got ill. Um, so we lost a couple of houses. We lost absolutely everything and, um, and cash and everything. And so we were on welfare in 2010 and um, we were in the system for a good six months and we had just turned 50 and I was getting better and um, so my husband took me on our second first date <laughs> and we went to the um, local pizza place and I've got strict instructions when I tell the story I've got to say it was gourmet pizza um, <laughs> and so we sat there and um, and I said, oh, we've got two questions that we've got to ask ourselves. You know, we're 50. Because my husband worked for the business as well. He was, um, he was uh, given his marching orders three months, you know, at the probation period of the company that actually held a, their hand out to Tim and said, look, you know, we're, you've been buying from us for a number of years. We'll give you the job. They wanted to buy our company and we'd said no earlier. Anyway, so two days before his three-month probation was up, they called him in and they said, look, you know, we don't need you anymore, but they had our database. So, um, so now we're both unemployed. We're both on welfare and we're both 50. And so I said, we've got to get very clear on what the value is that we have to provide the marketplace. Like we're going we're gonna to go again and we have to be very clear on that value. And I said, secondly... We have to know whether or not the market is prepared to pay and what they're prepared to pay for that value. So they were two very pivotal questions that we asked ourselves. And we were sitting there that night um, at the table and I've reached across to grab the menu. There were three menus. So I've stood them up and I said to Tim, this is how we're going to do it. I said, we're going to get very clear on our purpose and what we want. Uh, that's our true north. I said, we're going to get very, very clear on who we are as individuals. And that's getting clear on our true colours. And thirdly, we're going to get very, very clear on, on what it's going to take for us to get ourselves out of this. And that's our true grit. So out of those three menus that I stood up end on end, that has morphed into becoming my business, Three Red Folders, which stands for Purpose, 
authenticity and resilience. So if I go back and I look at what we learned and how we've come back out of it again um, and we're riding, you know, we're going up that crest again, it simply is know your value and and stand in your power um, and be be prepared to share that value without any expectation of anything in return. My goodness, this is good so that's, stuff. Yeah. This is so powerful and so important for our listeners to really tune in and, and, and listen to the words you just said. You know, we've gone through major transformations in our business and, you know, we've had successes and we've had failures and, you know, you have these cycles. Um, we've had to reinvest, we've had to reinvent, we've had to do a lot of things over the years. And it's interesting because Jody and I, my wife, we, we've kind of reflected on all of the years of being in business and the good times and the bad and, and, and what is it that keeps you going? What is it that makes you successful? What is it that makes you go into challenging years? And the consensus from all of our reflection is very similar to what you just said. You, you, you have to get back to the core why, the core reason, the core value of why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, here at Send Out Cards, we have one thing. We have, there's, there's one thing at Send Out Cards, and that is to help people act on their promptings to reach out in kindness. That is the one thing. It's not even mm -hmm. relationship marketing. Relationship marketing is a byproduct of that. Because if yeah. you do reach out in kindness to others, then it's going to help you, you know, create relationships in your marketing. And so we say we leverage what the marketplace wants from us, which is relationship marketing, but we inspire you on what you need from us, which is a way to act on your promptings to reach out in kindness. And what Jody and I, that what we concluded was if it wasn't for, the possibility of us helping lots of people to act on their promptings to reach out in kindness, if it wasn't for that, none of what we've built would be worth it. It wouldn't mm. be worth, it wouldn't be worth the effort. Mm. So for all of our listeners, you got to find that one thing. You got to find your one thing. You got to stay true to your why. And that's what gets you through everything. Cause I'm going to tell you, and you just said it yourself. If you don't find that one thing, all of the stuff you go through, it's it ain't worth it. It ain't worth yeah. it. Go get yeah. a job. Go get a job, yeah. dude, whatever. Because yeah. it ain't worth it unless you focus on that one thing. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I thought it was very no. No, 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 my pleasure. And see, and I'll, I'll throw something else left of field. I know, you know, the why is really important. And Simon Sinek is, you know, his, his model, which you'll know the what, the how and the why. I, I maintain, and I, will, I would love to have this conversation if I could one day with him. I believe that he's missing the inner circle. And that inner circle for me is the who. Because I believe that, that when you're very clear on who you are, uh, then your why will actually kind of come from that as well. It's, it's funny because it's funny because I was, um, I was a smoker, you know, up for up until a number long time ago, a number of years ago. And it didn't matter how many times I read that packet where it said that my limbs would fall off, my lungs would fail, my life would be, dying was not a big enough reason for me to give yeah. up smoking. Yeah. So um, it's very important that you're why, but also what's very important is, is understanding who you are and, and what makes you tick.
I love it. Really good stuff. So the art of commercial conversations. Can you hold yeah. that up for us again? Uh, those yeah. of those watching on YouTube, the art of commercial conversation. That's the look of it there. How how, do, how can somebody get a copy of your book? Just yeah, so it's uh, on Amazon okay. and um, and uh, also commercialconversations.com. Is, um, it's got its own landing page for um, hard copy over here. But um, at the moment, it's going up on Amazon as we speak. Excellent. You are speaking at the upcoming Outbound Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, here in the United States, and that's coming I, up in April. I am. Absolutely, I am. I am looking forward to meeting these guys. Um, they've been... You know, they've been on my watch list for years now and, um, and, and to have the, um, you know, the honor of, of coming over and joining them is, um, is just a dream come true. So not only the learnings and the networking, but, uh, you know, sharing um, a couple of models that I have to share and it's going to be a little bit different. So yeah, be fun. Well, that's really great. So I always like to end our shows by kind of giving you the floor, you know, typically I ask a bunch of questions and, and I always like to end by having you, it's carte blanche. You know, this is Bernadette time. Uh, the final five minutes, anything that you feel like this audience needs to hear, golden nuggets, golden wisdom from Bernadette McClellan. Floor is yours. Um, okay. So, um, gosh, this is left of field, but that's okay. Um, so I'm going to pick a couple of, um, a couple of threads of what we've said today um that might um that might help your listeners so we talked about intuition and so i'm just going to share that um because in business intuition is fluffy and so if we think for a moment that everything that we learn every piece of um experience that we have every bit of conditioning that everything that we learn and if we if we do it enough times we're repeated enough times, then we begin to see patterns out there. And so these patterns or this knowledge, they become little bits of bits of data. And this bit, these bits of data become blocks of knowledge. And these blocks of knowledge are stored up here in our hippocampus as intuition, uh, intuitive insights, if we let them. But business today is so much based on get the numbers. What are your ratios? Here's your KPIs. Get out there. We're all, this is the focus. So that tapping into that, those intuitive insights is, is discounted. It's valueless. But if we re realize that if we do tap into that and we listen to that, it's actually going to take us down a different path then the cognitive part of our brain will take us down. So um, I'm not into fluffy and, you know, sitting in a corner, yoga, posing and umming and all the rest of it. But if you start to realise that there is another part of your brain that you can activate and activate with confidence, then, then that's critical to your growth moving forward. So it's just wow. tapping into that. Um, secondly, something else that, um, that we kind of touched on there, was kindness. So you mentioned kindness. Um, that's actually, um, while I'm over there, I'm speaking at Outbound, but I'm also speaking at um, AAISP's conference up in Chicago as well. One of my subtopics is actually kindness. So when we, um, we realise that, um, and this is for those 
people listening that are just so intent on, you know, um, working and busy, busy, busy and getting the numbers and all the rest of it, is that our brain, the, the circuitry in our brain, if we're focusing on do, 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 and numbers, 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 we can't actually access the social circuits of our brain that allow us to be present to somebody else. Mm, wow. Interesting. So for the leaders out there, for the parents out there that, you know, we've actually got to realize that those two circuits can't operate together. So from a leadership perspective, if we want our people to know that we are with them, we are present with them, we seriously have to down tools and make a conscious effort because if you don't, it's a little bit like muscles. We actually lose that whole social network muscle. Um, and all we're doing is just 24-7, always on. So there's just two little things that I thought that I'd share um, based off a couple of things that we've said today. Well, those are two wonderful things. So there you have it, uh, everybody. Bernadette McClellan from Melbourne, Australia, author of The Art of Commercial Conversations. You can get a copy of it. Uh, at Amazon or at commercialconversations.com. Look forward to seeing you at the Outbound Conference, and thank you so much for being part of our show today, being our show today. You were absolutely amazing. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, please come on back. We do this every week, so we're going to make sure that we keep putting these podcasts out there for people to listen to as you drive down the highway, and uh, we appreciate you all. Take care, everybody. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Relationship Marketing Podcast with Cody B, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review so that together we can get this message, The Power of Human Connection, out to the world. You can find Cody's new book, The Power of Human Connection, on Amazon or the Send Out Cards gift store.